Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on what's happening at Park Hills, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. So the divorce passage has led to a number of conversations amongst a number of people. I'm sure you find that hard to believe. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) So, you know, we can only cover so much in the sermon. And I I think, at least I tried to get as much in into that little 40-minute window as I could to kind of show people what I think the passage is saying but with that said, that still leaves us with the question somewhat pastorally of, well, then what do I do, right? So right. Um, you can hear the point of the passage that Jesus is telling us to aim for the ideal, that your marriage should be ideal. But then the question starts to arise, what if I'm going through a divorce? What if I've just been divorced? What if I've been remarried? What do I do? What, what are the next steps for me? So let's start with just uh, you. you said that you you know, worked through this. We both come from families with various marital history and that's put us in a spot that's, that's interesting. And we're not going to go into that necessarily, but it does make us look at it as, you know, family members. And I, I'm sure everyone in everyone's family, I don't know that a single staff member of our staff doesn't have some type of family situation somewhere that has led to the question of divorce and remarriage. And so with that said, you, it took it took a bit for you to work through this one, and you, you liked where you landed, but um, even as I was describing it to you, you kept looking at me like, what are you saying exactly? So show me show me the process that you went through. What was your thought process? Yeah, the, I think the, the hardest part about this is it appears that Jesus' statement at the end, or in 11 and 12, seems so cut and dry that to try to maneuver around it feels like you know what we sometimes call theological gymnastics right Mm -hmm. so jesus says if you just read it at face value whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her and if she divorces her husband and marries another she commits adultery so just you could take that you could take that statement and you could write it on the wall you could write it on in in the book you could write you know you could just copy and paste it and it is it seems so cut and dry that to try to explain out of this or try to say, well, what Jesus really meant was this or what he was really saying feels like similar to some other hard statements that Jesus, and then I'm also thinking about like what Paul has made yep. where people have tried to say, well, what Paul really meant was, uh, you know, he was speaking to the culture of his day and there was a culture where it was a ritual p- practice for uh, grown men to take young boys and have sexual practices with mm-hmm. them as a part of their worship. And so that's what he meant when he says, you know, um, homosexuality, yep. for yep. example. Or yep. or the other one, the big one is, you know, I, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Well, what he really meant was, that, you know. And yep. so, so I don't want to take those other hermeneutical practices right. and apply them to this path. Like, we have to be consistent. We have to, we have to interpret all passages with the same set of principles. Right. So, all that to say, as we're reading this, and as over and over again you get to the, you know, 
explain this and work through it. I just kept on landing on, well, it's, it's cut and dry. He says, whoever does this commits adultery. Whoever does this commits adultery. He, Jesus doesn't add any qualifiers. Jesus doesn't say, you know, I'm speaking to this subset of people or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was really challenging for me to not just take it at face value because Jesus appears to say it at face value. However, as we talked through this about seven times, um, I think I, I came to a better understanding because you do have to take cultural context into mm-hmm. play, but you also have to take the context of the scripture that we see right here. And then what's interesting about these passages is Mark 9, or sorry, Mark 10 isn't the only time we see this question. We see it in other Gospels, mm-hmm. and actually Jesus does add qualifiers in other Gospels. So why were those qualifiers included in other Gospels? Correct. But not here. So what is Jesus really saying? Again, the so, so the hermeneutical principle we want to use is what was the original author intending to say? And that's what we want to get at with Paul. That's what we want to get at with other statements of Jesus. Right. That's what we want to get at here. And so that that's kind of the start of my journey. Um, but Chris, you can just kind of talk through where, where you've landed on this and what, what statements you've said that have helped me understand it. Yeah, so I think the big thing is that book that I recommended is hugely helpful, and it is over 400 pages. It's, it's 500 with the footnotes and everything else included, but just the writing itself is 400 pages. And what David Instone Brewer did was he spent a decade or more just diving into everything he could find from the first century, from the second temple period, from Old Testament, everything we have left. So Dead Sea Scrolls, everything else, you know, how many certificates of divorce were done? How, how, what, it, what were the stipulations? What happened? Who were the rabbis that fought these things out and all that kind of thing? And in the middle of, of all of that study and all that research and everything else that he did, he got to a spot where he came up with those six statements that I, I shared on that Sunday. Now, when I just deal with Mark 10, I'm reading it going, I think it's interesting that Jesus sidestepped the divorce question altogether and went right back to marriage. He doesn't actually answer the divorce question at all. To the disciples, he then says, to someone who gets divorced and remarries, they are committing adultery, and some, you know, for the first for the man, and then he says it for the woman. But then I also have to hold in tension how he handles the Samaritan woman, for example, where he says to her, you've had five husbands and the person you're with now is not your husband. He does not say, go remarry the first one. Right. He says, go and sin no more, which puts her in a very interesting spot. What's next? The next would be create the ideal that you're supposed to create. And again, the crowd that he's talking to in, in Mark 10, especially since we're in Judea, based on the, some of the data that David and Stone Brewer and others have pointed out, especially if you have a rabbi going around saying you can divorce someone for anything, there are likely women in that crowd who were divorced because they did burn the toast or because they did uh, not perform some marital something to a level that was satisfactory to her husband. So it's a very strong male-dominated crowd and a male-dominated discussion in the time of Israel, you know, of, of Israel at this point. The Second Temple period is very male-dominated, and I'm guessing Jesus is talking, and there's lots of women there who have been divorced, have been remarried, 
and they come up and say, well, is it right for someone to get divorced? And then you add in the Matthew passage and the Luke passage that you brought up. And in both of those, it says, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason or for any reason? And that was really the discussion happening in that time frame. Uh, So then you go, okay, context clues suggest that Mark is giving us the question. And like I said, some commentaries are suggesting it was so secondhand for everyone that they would have never thought he wasn't saying for any reason. He was just saying, can someone get divorced? Really, what that means is for any reason. And then Jesus' response dealing with, with marriage was, Moses gave you a stipulation from us, right? From, yeah. from the Trinity saying, because you're stubborn and hard-hearted and you don't understand the point of marriage, that is why it was allowed. But it's not the ideal. And then he goes on to say, what you're really supposed to, to see is that God brings things together and God, God wants things to stay together. And so then let not man separate. But again, speaking that to a culture that is male-dominated would sometimes give men the, the, the freedom or the hubris, maybe would be a better word to use there, to say, I can treat you however I want to treat you and you can't leave me which isn't what Jesus is asking for them to do at all anyway. So when we move to today's world, part of the reason why this passage is so difficult for people is because we have very complex situations in relationships, and those complexities make us go, what am I supposed to do, right? I've, I've sat and talked to so many women over the years who are saying, my husband's abusive, or my husband has not taken care of us financially. and And I'm not talking about, he needs to go get a better job. I'm talking about he has not provided at all, right? He's sitting right. on the couch collecting unemployment instead of actually getting a job. He's doing this or that. And people come to me and say, what should I do? And my first response is never leave. Mm-hmm. At the same time, my first response also doesn't say you can never leave, which is where David and Brewer gets with his thought process. So then when you move to the very end of the passage in verses 11 and 12, when Jesus says the person who remarries, commits adultery, and he says that first for the men and then for the women, in some way he's raising the bar for them, saying, you think that this is all about this, but really the fact is even if you're super upset with your marriage and that person has committed adultery, which is a horrible thing, it's brutal to work through that as a couple, and I've, I've seen a bunch of couples do that, we, even within our church. It is brutal because trust is lost, and you start wondering, what did I do wrong? And all, there's all kinds of things that run through that. It's very hard at that moment not to think, I'm going to leave this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what Jesus is suggesting is, is that really what you want to do? Because in some sense, and this is where those commentaries were helpful for me, in some sense, if you left your marriage and went and married another, you actually are doing the exact same thing that you wish the other person hadn't done. And so that's a really thorny thing. And at the end of it, it makes you go, well, what do I do? Am I, am I cursed forever? Am I in judgment? Am I going to go to hell? How does this work? And the, the point of that book and the reason why I promoted it is it is really helpful to work through it and realize Jesus is stepping into a very thorny issue. He's giving us the ideal. And then... I think when we back away from that, then the question becomes, well, then what do I do in my situation, right? If, you, if I've been recently divorced or if I've gotten remarried, should I divorce my husband and go back to my first spouse, right? 
uh, I've repented of this. I'm following Jesus. Maybe they weren't following Jesus when they got married or they weren't following Jesus when they got divorced and now they are following Jesus. What do I do? Do I go back to the first person? And those are big questions that you read this passage at face value and you go, oh my goodness, I'm an adulterer. But then you also know that the Bible again and again says, even if you've committed adultery, here's what I want you to do. Go sin no more. Go live a different style of life. So it, that was kind of the process that I was kind of working through with the sermon team. And you were like, okay, I think I understand it now. Let's preach it and let's see where it goes. Is that kind of where you're, where you're going? Yeah, because, uh, you know, in, in all of these things, we look at the, the culture and then we use this term presuppositions, right? These ideas that we bring into the passage. And I think an idea that we see in our culture today is that divorce is, seems to be simple and easy right, in our culture. Like, for whatever reason, you can get divorced, so Jesus would push back against that. But I think also looking at it in Jesus' day, I think it's important to notice the Pharisees came in order to test him. And so they asked him a testing question similar to some of their other testing questions, like, by whose authority did John baptize? Or Mm -hmm. uh, what was the other one we just did? Uh, Or no, the the coin. Um, Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? These are... And and even not the the testing question, but the rich rich young man who says, right. you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's another question about the greatest commandment. Which of all the commandments is the greatest? Right. These are not just somebody had a random question and was walking up to Jesus like, oh, you know, Jesus, I've always kind of thought about this. Right. These were the high-level questions of the day. Sure. These are what all of the um, Pharisees, scribes, religious leaders were discussing. Right. And... And so what I think is helpful if we, the, the modern example that you used about like, you know, what are your pronouns is, right. is really helpful because to us, that question means something very specific. So if I asked you, what do you think about pronouns or what are your pronouns? Behind that is the whole force of social, right. cultural, even political uh, pressure on that question to see you are not just responding to a simple question you are responding to that whole conversation mm-hmm. and saying, here's my addition to the conversation. And so I think that's where Jesus is at here. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? There's this whole conversation right. around what is happening. And right. so Jesus comes in and he says, uh, you know, what did Moses command you? And they said, you know, he allowed this. And so Jesus isn't saying, well, Moses was wrong. And Jesus isn't right. really, he's setting them up to say, listen, there's, there's a hardness of heart. I understand that divorce is a reality, but it's not the ideal. Exactly. He's saying, pursue that ideal. So that's <laughs> that's his statement. So that's really hard, and that's why the disciples get in there, and they're like, we need some clarification. And Jesus is like, I want to tell you how ideal marriage is. If you're just, if you think that you can just divorce someone and go with someone else because they committed adultery against you, or, you yep. know, for, yep. for example, yep. uh you're doing the same thing they are. Exactly. So why don't you, instead of just looking for ways to get out of your marriage, the irony of you were looking for a way and then you just committed the same sin that the person, you know, like you yep. took took advantage of yep. a situation, you know, in the same way, guys, let's head toward the I- ideal. So when you look at it from, from that understanding, I think, one, we're not doing the theological gymnastics of, oh, well, what Jesus was really trying to exactly. say was what I think he should have said. Right. I don't think we're going there. But we are also going to a, a place where Jesus is not making a once-and-for-all statement Mm-mm. for uh, without any context behind it. He's not saying, you know, 
whatever, whoever divorces his wife, marries another, commits adultery. Cut and dry. That there's there's no conversation around that. Right. Like, that's just what that is. Right. Um, so I think that that was really helpful for me for understanding this passage. Uh, marriage is the ideal. Divorce is a reality. Go and sin no more. Um, so all of these things working together really helped me understand. You know what is what is Jesus getting at here? And I think so. The test question, the con- the larger conversation behind the test, and then the other thing I think that really helped me is is like you were saying. This passage is other places. It's nuanced differently by other gospel writers. And I, I think that tells me that, uh, again, Jesus isn't making like a declarative, mm-hmm. like put this in the Ten Commandments statement. I think he's responding to different discussions. So, Totally. And I think, again, because the go- other gospel writers write it differently, it would take a little work for us to really dig into this concept, which is what we did for you know, weeks and months as a sermon team. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of proclaimed what Jesus is saying there, and we didn't pull any punches. We can't. But at the same time, I think it's very interesting, going back to what I said in the beginning, he sidesteps the divorce question altogether and just goes back to marriage. Mm-hmm. So I think the goal of this passage and the hermeneutic that you need to really employ for this passage is to look back at it and go, what Jesus is most concerned about is where your marriage is at. That right. does not mean that I have gone back to him 20 times and he keeps abusing me. I'm supposed to stay forever because Jesus said I can't get divorced. That's not what he said. That's not at all what he said. And in fact, we would say, I want you safe. You know, you might consider legal separation. You might consider something else other than what you're currently doing. Um, You might hold on to hope and say, my marriage is going to get better someday, and so I'm going to do this. But I also don't want to get the call from somebody saying, it it got really bad, and, and now I'm in the hospital or, you know, someone else calling me saying this person has passed away. We don't want that. Right. We're not even close. Like that's not even, that's not even remotely close to the advice that we would give someone at the same time. If you're currently going through a divorce, you do need to step back and just go, am I doing this with, with the peace of God upon me? Or am I doing this just because I'm looking for an easy way out? That's an answer that only you can answer. And you got to figure out what you're doing there. If you're, if you're saying we have tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, and there's every single possible biblical reason for me to step out of this marriage, um, you you do have the freedom to do so, and you will not be cast out from the church. You will not be thrown away. You're not going to be on the scrap heap. And I've had other people come to me and say, I'm about to get remarried. My spouse abandoned me 20 years ago. Am I allowed to get remarried? That's a very valid question, and I mm-hmm. totally understand it. And you're reading this passage going, am I allowed to get remarried? And I think, again, what Paul is saying, what Jesus is saying, and, and you know, there's tons of passages for Paul, but 1 Corinthians 7 is probably the most famous dealing with marriage and divorce. And the, the point that they're looking for is, I want you to aim for the ideal. And so what I would say is, wherever you are at right now, aim for the ideal. If you just got divorced and you're thinking, will I ever get together with someone again, do it with a different mindset this time. Think about it differently. Go through it totally different. If you've been remarried, <laughs> that passage is not telling you go divorce your spouse and go back to the first one. That's not at all what it's saying. What it's saying is you know what the ideal for marriage is, aim for it. And I would even say there's a possibility that part of the ideal is you aiming and finding a way to forgive your your ex and maybe even creating a slightly more Edenic world with your ex if possible, right? Treating the kids differently or acting, you know, 
not not talking badly about your your former partner. Um, I'm more concerned about those things, and it seems to be that that's what part of what Jesus is saying is wherever you've been, forget it. If you if you got divorced for a dumb reason because you thought this rabbi told me I can get out of it, Jesus is going no no no. This you've missed the point. I have a way higher understanding of what marriage is, and I want you to aim for it. You know, he goes on in Matthew to say some of some are actually uh, never going to get married. If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry, he says. Um, <laughs> and then he goes on to say some some are never going to get married, and that's okay. For the sake of the kingdom of God, that's allowed. That's, 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 that's allowed. And so I think sometimes those groups get missed in the church, or they, get, they feel like they're forgotten, and we, all we talk about is marriage as opposed to you know, anything else. And in fairness, the majority of people in the world have gotten married. Right. Statistically speaking, none of us would be here if the majority of people did not get married. At the same time, we all know that marriage is really, really difficult. But you might need to sit down and have the hard conversation and start moving through and fixing your marriage. You might need to have a hard conversation you know, before you get divorced to, to verify that this is really what you're supposed to do. Um, we're not standing over you, hitting you in the head with a mallet, telling you how to do this. This passage is quite clear. You know what the ideal is. And if you know the ideal can never happen, okay, you have freedom to go this direction. But I also would probably pray, and it's just happened a few times in our midst, where someone does get divorced, and then they get remarried later because they both woke up and said, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And yeah. years later, they get remarried, and it becomes a beautiful story. I, I'm all for it, and sometimes God can, can use things in that way. But I've also seen spouses who get divorced and are completely unrepentant and are angry with each other forever, um, and they get remarried, and I understand that. I understand why they did it at the same time. Aim for the ideal, right? With the person you're with now, right? I think I think that's the the good point of this is is wherever you are, turn and head towards the ideal. Exactly. So, you know, marriage. The the statement I think you made it from the pulpit. I've definitely read it. You know, marriage is not meant to make you happy. It's mm-hmm. meant to make you holy. Um, which which is this idea that we are not guaranteed. Like, marriage is not a right. 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 God did not say, mm-hmm. you have the right to get married, and therefore you should get married. Um, so if if you're in a situation where you're not married, but you want to be married because it, you think it'll make you happy, you know, maybe there's work you need to be done that needs to be done in your heart, moving you toward the center before. You know, that's where, mm-hmm. that's where you know, like, hey, I'm not married, and I got divorced for you know, a, a bad reason or whatever you, you'd say about that. Um, maybe there's work you need to be done before you get remarried. I mm-hmm. wouldn't just say, oh, you know, as long as you just say you're sorry about that previous marriage, pursue the, the next one. Um, no, maybe there is work. Maybe mm-hmm. moving toward the center, moving toward the ideal is not necessarily remarrying your former spouse, but doing the work on your heart to, for forgiveness, for you, for that, you know, whatever mm-hmm. work needs to be done. Uh because I think we we tend to on on the on the one side we get too restrictive about this statement like no Jesus saying can't do anything but right. on the other side uh, we miss the work that you know we're Jesus never said yes you can always get married whenever you want to. right like sometimes there are times when Jesus would say no this you need to work on your own heart or you need to move closer to me or you need to reevaluate the situation that is not uh, a right for you and you don't have to get married. Right. So maybe work on your own heart. Move closer to the ideal before you start moving toward another another marriage, or not even another marriage, even your first marriage. Maybe you need mm-hmm. to work on your own heart mm-hmm. heading toward marriage. 
or your newly acquired singlehood if you're divorced. Yeah. Yep. Jesus wants to work on your heart. So here's the six points from that book. I'll give these one more time and then we'll close this up. But monogamy is the ideal is the first. That's the ideal is that God created one man, one woman to be together forever. Number two, marriage is supposed to be lifelong. But you understand and, and everyone understands sometimes widows happen. Widowers happen. It, so if you're saying, well, what do I do now? Uh, that's, yeah, it's supposed to be lifelong. That's the ideal. But if it doesn't end up being lifelong, there's there's scenarios that you can walk through. Number three, divorce is not compulsory, meaning you don't actually have to get divorced if someone has broken your marriage vows. Fourth, divorce is allowable, and that should be taken very seriously and used as a last-ditch last effort, basically. Number five, marriage is not compulsory, meaning you never had to get married in the first place. So if your spouse is not fulfilling all of your wildest hopes and dreams, first of all, that's a terrible view of marriage. Mm-hmm. But second of all, you don't, you don't actually need to get married. And I would say you don't need to get remarried. If you can, you know, you can live your whole life as a divorced person and never get remarried and still fulfill what God has for you. And then finally, the sixth one, divorce for any matter is invalid. And so when I read those things and I read this passage again and again, it's interesting to me that Jesus never says, get divorced or don't get divorced. What he says is Moses allowed this because you have a hard heart. And Jesus, again, as usual, is pushing really deeply into our hard hearts and asking us to consider what we should be thinking, what we should be doing. So if you have a hard heart, pray for a soft one. If you're struggling in your marriage, get some advice, get some help. 